0: The Sunday Sermons Podcast. I tend to be the kind of person that um, really expects God to act in real life the same way He acts in the Bible, and whenever it doesn't seem like that's happening, that messes with me just a little bit. Am I the only person? No. (laughs) Good, good. I don't think I'm the only person. And 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 here's the thing, though: the longer I know God, the more I experience of life, the more I actually struggle through the scriptures, actually pay attention, the more I realize that God always matches up to exactly what it looks like in the Bible. It, whenever it doesn't, whenever life doesn't seem to match the way it's described in his word, it's that we don't, we're expecting something he never promised at all. And what he actually promised is better than the stuff that we think he should promise. I feel like that's what he'd like us to remember this morning. Here's an example. Uh, As a kid, one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible was Joseph. He's still one of them. He's still up there top tier. I love the character of Joseph from the Old Testament. If you haven't read that story recently, his story pretty much begins in Genesis chapter 37 and goes pretty much to the end of Genesis. Here and there, there's some other things going on. Totally worth your time to just read the entire thing. But you probably have the idea he, he gets sold as a slave by his brothers. And then in Egypt, he, he becomes successful as a slave because it keeps using this phrase because God was with Joseph and he made everything that he did succeed. So he became as successful as you can be as a slave. And then he is sent to prison for a crime he did not commit. But God was with Joseph and he, everything that he did he made succeed. So he became as successful as you can be as a prisoner. And then he finally interprets this dream and everything's great, and then it's a long time before that gets remembered. And then finally, he gets to become the second in command of all Egypt. And he literally saves the world. I, I think sometimes, especially as a kid, I never realized how significant that moment was. As far as they knew, they didn't know about China and some other places at that moment uh, in, in that spot. But as far as they knew, Egypt was the whole thing. Like they, they, that was the world empire. That was the whole thing. And they were all, the known world at that time was in a famine. They all could have died. That would have not only killed, tragically, just hundreds of thousands and millions of people, period, but also the entire line of Jesus. If if if, if the line, if Jacob and his family would have died in that famine, there wouldn't have been a Messiah. There wouldn't have been any of the things that we know and love about God and Jesus, any of the truths that we're exploring today. Joseph... What, but, but, but again, here, here's the thing. When we tell that story, it's always like, oh, but yeah, a bunch of bad stuff happened. A whole bunch of bad stuff happened. Whole bunch, but, but, but listen, listen. At the end, look at the power he had. Look at the riches he had. See? And that proves God is good. Oh, that's cool. But he was a slave for a long time. He was a prisoner unjustly for a long time. And he never became Pharaoh. He was second in command of all Egypt. Are you tracking? We over glamorize some of the things, trying to make God look good. What we don't see is what's even better than than our imagination. What's amazing is in the midst of all of this crazy layers and layers of tragedy and intrigue and lies and brokenness, God kept his plan going. He kept the line of the Messiah going. He used somebody nobody would have ever expected to literally save the world. And that's better than one guy being really rich and really successful and really healthy, isn't it? That looks a lot like life to me. Another one of my favorite stories I've told it several times is Jonathan and his armor-bearer going it's in 1st Samuel 14. Again, there's no graphics up here if you want to write any of this down. Every one of these stories you should read it. Go back again and check this out. 1st Samuel 14. But Saul, King Saul, is off. He knows God has told him to go fight the Philistines, but instead he's waiting for another word from God for confirmation. And his son Jonathan and his armor bearer decide to go fight them alone it's this awesome victory story it's so great but while they're gone while they're off doing what they're supposed to do obeying god right this minute just like we're all supposed to do saul makes this really dumb proclamation that nobody's allowed to eat or drink anything until they fought the philistines and anybody who did would get killed so jonathan and his armor bearer not only just doing what god wanted him to do but they're walking through the woods and they find honey and go hey Let's go. And they go and they win because it's what God's will was. It's a wonderful, inspiring story. But at the end of that day, he came this close to getting killed. He didn't get celebrated for that amazing victory. He didn't get to become king. David became king. Jonathan willingly gave that right that he would have had to be the next king over to David. He never becomes king. He doesn't get celebrated for that. He comes this close to getting killed that night for eating honey instead of celebrating for the amazing faith and the amazing victory that he and one other guy had just won but they still won and Israel was de- delivered even though their king at the time was not doing what he was supposed to be doing does that sound like real life to you it does all of the above the good and the bad and how it all mixes together shadrach meshach and abednego in this in daniel chapter 3 Here's the graphics for you. Daniel 3. It's almost a D. Daniel chapter 3. It's the famous story of them going to the fiery furnace. How many know this one? You went to Sunday school, you you know anything about it, but you know this one. So you know that they're threatened with their very lives. But I'm going to actually read this. This is uh, verses 16, 17, and 18 from Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him they're talking to the king Nebuchadnezzar and he's just said I'm giving you one more chance we're going to play the music one more time you bow down or else Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter One more time we're seeing again consistent all throughout the scripture God's kingdom is not of this world it's not dependent on any kingdoms in this world it supersedes all the kingdom in this world if you watch closely the story of Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego nine times out of ten they're very submissive to the Babylonian government they actually play along well they wear Babylonian clothes they actually work for the government they're they they are very they, they play they play well with others they do their best but when it comes down to is it going to be God or The king, God or an idol, God or disobeying God, they draw the clear line because that's that's all there is to it. And they don't need to defend themselves for that. They don't need to appeal. They don't need to go to court to defend their right to do that. They're like, no, I'm actually a citizen of a bigger kingdom than Babylon. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, they said, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Best part, core of this whole message this morning. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We know he is able. We know he is. And we believe he will. As far as we can tell right this very second, what we know about God, what we know about this situation, we're pretty sure you're you're about to see a miracle. But even even if we're wrong about that, we still put our faith in God. If we end up in heaven today instead of here in Babylon, it's still a win. We have decided this is this. We know he's able. We believe he will. But even if he does not, we will be faithful. Sometimes we want it all to be a math problem. Sometimes we want it to be a formula, a magic formula. We want to know where is the lamp that I can rub and God shows up and does my bidding. Where is the magic prayer that I can pray and then he'll say yes. How do I do that? How can I claim this? How can I proclaim this? How can I do, How, what do I have to do so that God will answer my prayers guaranteed? There isn't one. Peter and Paul in, in Acts, they, both of them had been gifted at that season so much with healing that they could literally walk down the street and if their shadow fell on somebody, they'd be healed. Later we see in the writings of Paul that he himself is begging God to heal him for something and God says, no, my grace is sufficient. Peter and Paul both actually raised someone from the dead. They both in their writings are talking about looking forward to death. And looking, making sure we're prepared. And they're worried about someone that they loved had been sick or had died. We know God is able. We believe he will. And countless times we see him doing that. Right now in the whole pandemic and everything, I have lost count of how many people have been protected and from ever getting COVID or other things. You know there's other bad things in the world still besides COVID, right? And we've been protected by a lot of that stuff as well. I've lost count of how many people have gotten COVID-19 and survived and are doing well. Even really old people, people that were really sick and really this close to dying anyway, they're, they're doing better than they were before it. We've also lost some people. Are you with me? It looks like real life. We know God is able. We see him do it. We believe it's his will. We trust him to do it. But even when he does not, we still have to trust him because we know who he is. We know his heart for us. We know what he has for us is good, whether we get it or not. And even when he does not, we make the choice to follow him, period. Here's what that guarantees. Not that he will heal you, but that kind of trust, that kind of obedience opens the door that he can. Hear me on this. This is really important. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not have been able to experience the miracle we know they experienced if they wouldn't have taken that stand. Even they didn't know for sure God was going to save them from that fire. They knew he could. They thought he would. They believed he would. But them taking that stand made it a possibility. That kind of trust, that kind of obedience opens us up to a miracle could happen, probably will happen. When we hold back, when we don't believe, when we don't give God a chance, when we go, I don't know. I don't know if he, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he does that kind of thing. Then there's no chance at all. It's like anything else in life. I I don't know if I'm going to go to school. What if I failed out? I don't know if I'm going to take that job. What if I got fired? I don't know if I'm going to marry that person. What if things didn't work out? Are you with me? You make the commitment, and that opens it up that there's at least a chance that it could work. Jesus is no exception. Jesus himself told us that he came into this world so that we could have life, life to the full. He said that it's the enemy, the devil, who's the one who's always trying to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came to give us life, life to the full, John 10, 10. But he also, the same Jesus also said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world same jesus and you watch the life of jesus if you just look at little snapshots of his life you miss it because there's so many layers of stuff going on the whole way through you have to look at everything he said everything he did everything he experienced to get even a slight picture of who jesus actually was right and that's how life works as well and look at jesus himself Was he rich? Was he constantly healthy and strong and everything was just really nice and peaceful in his life? He lost his stepfather, Joseph, at a young age. What he's most famous for, what we celebrate every single Sunday, is he was rejected and he was tortured and he was abandoned and he was killed. But he came back to life. And then he commanded us to share the good news and he invited us into the great adventure that we just spent several weeks exploring goodness beyond imagining badness that looks really really familiar does that sound like real life to you is the Bible match up to what we actually experience Does God in the Bible and Jesus in the Bible sound like where we are right now yes exactly he's not letting us down we just don't totally understand him. We never will. We just have to trust. A couple more quick stories. Can we look at a couple more real quick? There's Stephen. Stephen is one of my New Testament heroes. I love this guy. He's the first, uh, or part of the first group of deacons, official servants of the church. They say that he's full of faith, he's full of grace, full of the Holy Spirit full of miracles it's an amazing guy if anybody was going to be blessed economically physically whatever other way it, it deserves to be Stephen right he's doing everything right he's full of grace he's full of faith he's got the Holy Spirit just oozing out of him he's able so much he can actually do miracles but what do we know Stephen for the very, very most? Other than he's, It describes his ministry. He had a very effective ministry. What do we know Stephen of the most? First martyr. First person who was killed for the Christian faith. Does that sound like life? Yeah. It sounds a lot like it to me. The stuff that doesn't make sense. But look at the legacy of his life, not just the legacy of what he did before he died, the example that he's been to martyrs all around the world ever since and people who are not martyred but have a chance to still live for God day after day ever since. Look at that legacy and look at what also happened. There's a guy standing right next to him watching. Acts 8 verse 1. Saul was watching, guarding the clothes of the people, throwing stones, and he gave approval to his death. Saul is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. That was kind of the first trigger, the first domino that fell in a a series of things that transformed this guy Saul into the guy that we know as Paul. Right? Somebody dies. Something good comes out of it. Somebody does amazing things and they don't look like they're rewarded very well in this life. But their legacy outlives them for forever and ever. That's what it looks like in the Bible. And that's what it looks like in real life every single day. God is faithful. If if, if it seems like he's not, we misunderstand who he is. Paul, formerly known as Saul, he not only persecuted the church for a while, but eventually he, once he became Paul, he was persecuted. He spent most of his time in prison. That's where he wrote most of the letters we still read as scripture today. He, he, he got most of his most effective stuff done from prison. That brings us up to us and a couple of things that Paul wrote about us. And the very simple truth that I believe God is really wanting us to know today. We serve the same God. Never forget that the God you serve is the same God who took a slave in Egypt and made him second in command and saved the world with him. Never forget that the same God that you serve did all of these things. The same God you serve rose his son from the dead after he'd sent them into a broken, dying, sinful world to save them. Raises him from the dead and started something entirely new that nobody was expecting, especially the people who studied the Old Testament the most. Never forget that you served the God who let Stephen get killed for his faith but did so much more in that situation than anybody could have ever imagined. And that was the best thing that ever happened to Stephen as far as he was concerned. He died, it literally says that his face looked like an angel. He literally saw Jesus. His dying words were, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do, just like Jesus. It was a good day for him. Never forget, we serve the same God who can heal, the same God who can raise people from the dead for crying out loud. He's still the one we pray to now when we lift up sick people, when we lift up grieving people, when we lift up marriages that are in trouble, when we lift up this church and that we'll finally reach exactly whatever his vision is for us as we try to bless the community and bless the world more than ever before in 2022. We're praying to that same God today. And he is able, and I believe he will come through in ways that are dramatic and miraculous. But the only way, brothers and sisters, the only way, listen to me on this, the only way that we can even have a chance of seeing those miracles is if we take a stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and we say, we know he is able, we believe he will, but even if he does not, we will not bow to anyone but Him. We will obey. We will do what we know He told us to do. We will not do the things He told us not to do. We will put our faith in Him and Him alone. That's a big old storm outside. <laughs> oh, that's not me. Here's some words from Paul that he wrote from prison, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So much beauty in that. But here's one of the things I think I tend to miss in there. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't think so, but maybe. Just in case, let me unpack what I need to hear from this right now, today. He's not going to complete it today. He's going to be faithful to complete what he started in me, what he started in you, what he started among us, what he's starting to us, plural, as the church. He's going to be faithful to complete that, On the day that Jesus comes back, it's a process that goes all the way until the end. It never stops. He's going to be faithful every single day, whether it looks like it or it doesn't look like it. He's going to keep transforming us to look like Jesus every single day until Jesus Christ himself physically comes back to this world and ends this all and starts something brand new and new and eternal Do you believe that? That's the truth. That's what keeps us going. That's it. But if I'm frustrated because God hasn't made me look exactly like Jesus today, I'm the one who's misunderstanding his plan. I've got to look more like Jesus than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I better look a lot more like Jesus than I do today. But he never promised to complete it today. He's going to be faithful to complete it all the way until the end. Philippians 4, verses 10 to 14. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Paul is writing and he's, they've sent him, I don't know, a care package or something in the mail or I don't know what they've sent him, some money, something to meet his needs while he's in prison. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in plenty. How does he know he's experienced both as a faithful believer of Jesus? Don't miss the faith. Don't miss the reality that both are still happening. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. It's another one that, that that verse, I love that. Someone I love very much has has that tattooed on them. Philippians 4.13. It's a great verse. I can do all things through Christ. But it doesn't mean I can do whatever I think is best and Jesus will just make it happen. It means whether I am well fed or hungry, whether I am, have plenty or I am in want, no matter the situation, I have the strength to get through it because of Jesus in me. My strength comes from Jesus in my faith and my obedience in him. I can do All of it. The Greek word is ponte. It can be translated as all, all things, everything. There's, it it just, whatever. (laughs) He's saying, he's saying all of the above. I can do it. I can face it. I can endure it. I can beat it through Christ who strengthens me. And then he goes back to, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. (laughs) By the way, but thank you. It was nice to have that stuff you sent me. I really appreciate it. I was already content, but that really tasted good. That was I, I'm warmer because you sent that coat. You, you know what I'm saying? Here's where we're wrapping up today, brothers and sisters. This is, this is it. It's not elaborate. It's just truth. I believe it's what God wants us to hear today. What I need to hear, what you need to hear. God is with us. He's with us just like he was with Joseph. That means sometimes it's going to feel like we're slaves. Sometimes it's going to feel like we're prisoners. Sometimes it's going to feel like he's forgotten us. Like we're getting punished for something we didn't even do. Like we're succeeding, but only as much as a slave or a prisoner can succeed. Not as much as somebody who has the almighty God behind them should be able to succeed the way we define success, but he's with us. And if we're faithful, there's going to be stuff come out of each one of our lives that's just as eternal and just as amazing as what came out of Joseph. That's incredible. God is with us and he will bless us to succeed. So if we're going to Open ourselves up to that possibility. We have to obey now. We have to obey confidently, period, like Jonathan and his armor-bearer did. We've got to obey unconditionally like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. We've got to be able to say, even if he does not, I will still be faithful. And that opens us up to the possibility of a miracle that we know he can do and really truly believe that he will do. It's impossible unless we put that faith in there first. It's possible if we do. God never promises to make sense. There's not one place in the Bible where he says, all right, here's how it actually works. He doesn't. Jesus spent more time intentionally confusing people than he ever did trying to make them understand. He straight up tells us that. But God is with us. And his team wins. And sometimes it won't look like winning to us, but it is winning. And in eternity, when we're all sharing the stories, we're all going to look back and go, Oh, that's what that was about. Just like we can look back at Joseph's life and we can go, Yeah, you suffered for 10 years, but look what God was doing through you, buddy. Stop whining. We can do that to Joseph now because we know the end of the story. Imagine how he felt in the middle of the story. Feels like I feel sometimes, like you feel sometimes. But one of these days, we'll be able to look back and understand it. That's just not what he has promised right now. I don't know what kind of decision you need to make. Maybe you need to make it at home. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to give your life back to Jesus. Maybe you've been kind of holding something back for a little bit. I don't know what it is. Maybe you'd like to officially join our church. I I, I don't know. Maybe you want to give your life to missions. Maybe you'd like today to be the day that you decide you're going to be a full-time servant of God. I don't know what it is, but we're going to sing that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. There's going to be somebody besides me because I'm up here. I'm wearing a lot of hats this morning. I'm going to be up here. Somebody else is going to welcome you here, walk you through that decision if you need to. But let's all, whether you come forward and make it public or you stay where you are, or you're at home, whatever decision you make, would you please make one today? Let's all decide unconditionally that we're going to follow Jesus.